0: So welcome to the Season 43 SNL Podcast. Before we get started, this is Rich tackenberg I just want to talk a little bit. Let's set the table before we talk about the show and talk a little bit about expectations. You know, if you've listened to Mike and I do this podcast, you know you know that I was a huge Bobby Moynihan fan on the show. So it's not surprising that all through the summer, a lot of people that I'm friends with and people on Twitter would ask me like, hey, Season 43 is coming up. Are you less excited about the show because your man, Bobby Moynihan, is no longer there, and I, I always find that such an interesting question because it 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 assumes you don't understand something fundamental about us SNL hardcore fans, which is that yes. Bobby was my favorite. I loved Bobby. And before Bobby, I loved someone else. And before that, I loved someone else. And before that, I loved someone else. All the way back to for me, it was Eddie Murphy was my first guy. He was the guy. And then we had, you know, 40 people in between. And the and the thing about SNL is the star of the show is the show. So every year we have our favorites, but our favorites come and go and the show never leaves. And this is why I love that the format is the same since they debuted in you know 43 years ago on the same stage doing it exactly the same way because for us we always show up and this year I started watching this episode last night so excited to watch it at 8:30 p.m. in LA thinking who's going to be my new favorite? Who's going to be my new Bobby? Is it going to be Kate? Is it going to be an old timer like Cecily? Is it going to be Mikey Day? Is it gonna to be Chris Rudd or a new featured player that we haven't even seen on the show yet it's always a new day at SNL it's always fun and there's always a favorite because SNL is my favorite that's why we watch it every week that's why we do this podcast and that's why you're listening to us the SNL recap podcast with myself Rich Tackenberg, and as always my co-host Mr. Mike Bloom
1: uh, is this going on on post recaps? I thought this was a podcast recording at Terrazano's, which is my favorite restaurant. I am talking to Chef Luigi Marinera on the mixing board, our editor, to make sure that this is the right place for recording.
0: Exactly, exactly. Oh, Terrazano's. We will get to Terrazano's. So, Mike, uh, how was your summer?
1: It was good. It was good. I talked about this a little bit on actually another podcast. Uh, podcast that i appeared on the 32 fans podcast to talk some more snl talking about some of the best uh most famous and least famous uh, musical guest and host of uh, pairings on snl episodes prior that was a lot of fun but it sort of you know stoked the fire within me i know we had a couple people in our comments section during our finale podcast uh, about you know the old adage that SNL is not what it used to be, specifically in the '70s and '80s when it was really boiling hot. So I decided, you know what? The first five seasons are on Hulu. Let me start checking it out. I'm about halfway through the first season. Admittedly, with the, when the Big Brother season rolled around, you know, it sort of uh, fell off on my schedule. But that being said, I'm, I'm a little more than halfway through the first season. I'm really enjoying it. I've seen, you know, a lot of handfuls of sketches from those first five years, but it's really cool to see the show grow and evolve and some of these really notable sketches come to life. So I'm happy to say that my summer was full of SNL, both old and new. What about yourself?
0: Yeah, it's fun. You know, I haven't watched those episodes in a while, but I love you bring it up. It's fun to watch the first call it, let's say six or seven episodes, to see the format that we now know and love really take shape. You know, when they started, Lauren Michaels always said the not ready for primetime players were really supposed to take a back seat to the guest and the musical guest, and they were supposed to fill in, you know, in between the in in between the lines. And so they really didn't know what they had until they had it, probably I think around Candace Bergen a couple episodes in. So funny to see, but then also so to see how once they locked into it, here we are 43 years later, uh, still doing the same thing. It's pretty, pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting watching those first few episodes. I mean, the second episode, I don't want to go too much on a tangent here about SNL history, but the second episode, you know, Paul Simon hosts it. But it's essentially a big concert with a couple yep. of sketches thrown in, which is crazy to imagine that you know nowadays i feel like you almost uh fill to the brim with sketches and only occasionally you know allow the musical guests on stage twice maybe have them have a cameo it's crazy to think about how they were really trying out that formula and yeah it takes until like the rob reiner episode or the candace bergen episode for them to really start to uh to workshop things and it's also really interesting you know looking at weekend update having chevy chase started especially you know post watergate and how they were handling that sort of uh political critique obviously nowadays uh, even outside of weekend update we have the daily show and last week tonight we've got all these late night hosts we've got john all you know we, we got we've got all these different late night hosts so it's so interesting to see how that kind of sprung out out of chevy chase just goofing around on the phone
0: yeah exactly exactly so here we are we'll time travel back to 2017 season 43 so to start you know we uh you know a couple of new faces that uh you know we'll Probably talk more about when they get more screen time, but just want to say a, a huge hello to our three new featured players: Heidi Gardner from The Groundlings, Luke Null from Chicago, Iowa West, and others, and Chris Red from what I know him from the uh, the pop star Never Stops, Never Stops Stopping. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of it was, but great, great. For, so three uh, strong featured players, and of course we say goodbye. Had already said goodbye. This is our first episode without Bobby and uh, and Vanessa and Sashir, um, and also. So, you know, probably in a in in an even bigger change, you know, we we said goodbye to Chris Kelly and Sarah Schneider, two of our three head writers. So very big change at the top. Uh, We're going to see how that plays itself out in the writing of this year. We added seven new writers for this season. Uh, So a lot of possibilities for change. But I think what we're going to say about the beginning of this episode, at least the first half of this episode, is we're going to sort of go to tried and true. We're going to go with what works, what is, you know, what is what is proven already. And for a season Premier, I get it. I think that's not a bad idea. Season premieres are hard. Everyone's a little rusty, uh, but they come out of the come out of this swing. And I thought uh, I thought we start in a nice way.
1: Yeah, here's a hot take about SNL premieres. When all is said and done and we look back 22 episodes after the fact, they're usually not great and yep. you, you'd like to assume, oh, it's after a big summer. It's it's with a big host, you know. This the most recently nominated Oscar uh, nominee, Ryan Gosling's here promoting his new movie. It's going to be a great time. And yeah, this first half of the episode I thought was fine. I'm really excited to talk about the second half of the episode because that's when they really strayed from that tried and true formula that you talked about and really swung for the fences. And of course, when you do that, you're going to hit some balls really far, and you're going to you know swing and miss on a couple of these sketches, but. I was much more interested in, in the second half uh, once we like could get past the midnight mark on the Eastern time than we did during this first part, which, again, was a very standard Ryan Gosling filled episode
0: yeah so we'll start with the cold open uh, to a huge surprise to no one we start with Donald Trump and uh, Alec Baldwin is back playing Donald Trump as he had said that he would over the summer uh, starting uh, with Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, and there, and he's back from a golf outing I would say you know overall I think you know this was I don't think you could have done anything else I think there was a lot of funny in this sketch and it was a very amusing sketch the hard part for me and Mike tell me who disagree uh, is that now I'm completely normalized to the idea that major star Alec Baldwin is showing up to play a uh, to play a you know Donald Trump so there's no surprise there's no adrenaline rush it's just like well of course he's here that's his job now so and I think that these sketches suffer uh, from how they used to play when we got a bigger bump of just seeing him there doing it now I'm I'm very sort of uh, muted to it so I don't come in with the same kind of adrenaline
1: Yeah, I think we sort of rung around this point at the end of our season 42 podcast. But I really do feel like SNL kind of has a Trump problem in that I completely agree with you. We should also mention here that this is the first show, obviously, since both Kate McKinnon and Alec Baldwin have won Emmys this past year for their work on SNL. So congratulations to them both. But Alec Baldwin won a Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Emmy. For a show that he appeared on about half, but isn't technically in the main cast. I mean, I I, I don't want to you know rehash right. old gripes. I kind of wish that they had gone into season forty three with bringing somebody in to play Trump, even though Anthony Antaminik is now busy doing the President Show on Comedy Central, which is very funny. I would hope that they bring yep. someone in specifically for this. That being said, I can understand if their hands were a little tied, or if the audience is saying, "We want Alec Baldwin. We'll bring Alec Baldwin." That being said, uh, again, you st- I'll go back to your adage, tried and true. Uh, this felt like a very standard Trump cold open that we would see in season 42. Nothing particularly stood out to me except for the fact that uh, I, I didn't really too much SNL news over the course of the summer. So I'll admit I was a little surprised when we uh, get the call from the from a Cuban mayor and it turns out that's Melissa Villasenor on the other line. I, I, we talked about this at the end of our last podcast. I was a little surprised that she uh, made it through the summer. That she I'm, made the cut. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see it.
0: What were you more surprised that Melissa Villasenor, who we all like but did not really was not very effective in season 42 that she was brought back or that Mikey Day and Alex Moffat were not made repertory players and are still featured players, even though they're basically carrying the show.
1: Mm, I'm wondering if that's some sort of... SNL uh, unspoken tradition you know when Leslie Jones and and Pete Davidson had like their big megalith first years a couple years ago from what I remember the next year they still stayed feature players. so it might just be a formality of hey it's not one year in the feature players and then you get upgraded these days you kind of have to put in your dues so even though as you said I mean Mikey Day aside from uh, being a big featured player has become very instrumental in the writers room as well so you would think that he'd get an automatic bump up but I think it's more for a formality's sake. That's my, you know, rookie guess.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I will say I did like uh, when, when they're talking about uh, Puerto Rico and President Trump explains that uh, FEMA takes a few days unless you join FEMA prime. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a very fun joke. I hope they do more uh, with 80 as uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I think they're still sort of finding the rhythm of that, but I did, there was one line where she's explaining why she's got credibility and she says, I'm no nonsense, but I'm all nonsense. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, I think there's something there that I hope that they continue to explore with her because I think that would be really fun.
1: Yeah, and, and and that's what we were talking about a little bit last time as well in terms of uh, I think it would be best if they sort of fleshed out uh, what was around uh Trump in terms of his cabinet. Now let's just say there were a lot of shakeups over the course of the summer so I can understand why that's difficult to do. I'm still trying to see if they're figuring out what the Jeff Sessions character is played by Kate because if we remember I think it was in the Octavia Spencer episode. They did the cold open with her as Forrest Gump. But now this Jeff Sessions sort of acts juvenile, acts like a either like a wood nymph or a child almost simultaneously. So again, this is the comedy nerd in me really trying to figure out specifics of this character. But I think the impression's fun. I think we're going to have a whole season to hopefully figure out this cast of characters.
0: Yeah, and I like that they're playing her the, him to 11. I mean, I liked, uh, you know, the whole bit about how he lives in the grandfather clock was cute, but I really like towards the end when he says, I'm not look adorable, but I'm frightening. And I was like, that's I think to me, that's the the the, the lock that I hope that we land on with Jeff Sessions. So um, again, we see Alec, uh, Alex Moffat shows up as Chuck Schumer. And then again, I love Alec Baldwin, but oh, he kills me with his energy on the live from New York at Saturday night, which is basically. Basically, the energy that I just said it was more than Alec Baldwin had. He's got that old school SNL. That's old school. Dude, that's not how we do it. We do it with Kate McKinnon and what Alex Moffat does, which is scream it. So, uh, But all that said, we get into uh, our host. We get to see for the second time. Uh, we have not seen him since uh, 2015. Ryan Gosling is here to host. Uh, and although he's here to promote the new the big new movie, uh, Blade runner, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about La La Land.
1: And a lot of time. This monologue felt very, very long. And it's one of those things where you sort of, you get the joke in the first 10 seconds. He even says the joke in the first 10 seconds. There was, you know, a lot of think pieces written up around La La Land. The fact that It's this weird narrative that this white character is uh, saving jazz, which, you know, typically has African-American roots. And Ryan, the joke is that Ryan Gosling took that word literally that he was the one who saved jazz. Also want to comment on his outfit for a second, because I mean, I think he pulled it off, but it's an interesting look. The like maroon blazer with the sweater underneath. Uh, But then he goes to the piano and then Keenan comes to sort of let him in on the joke. And then he still does it. Then we have Emma Stone come in there was a lot of just repeating the same joke over and over again now what i will say about ryan gosling this episode aside from his baker's dozen of breaks is that you know he has a very calm relaxed attitude but he's very uh sincere uh in the, the silliness that he p- portrays i think that shows here i thought it, i thought it was a fine monologue but again it was the same type of joke over and over again it didn't really go to many new places for me
0: I agree. I I would say that I actually watched this a second time and it actually I think there's more little jokes that I enjoy buried within because once I accepted the fact like, oh, we're just going to do this. I save jazz over and over, Uh, you know, when he's talking about the notes on the piano and jazz, that they're talking to each other and giving each other little kisses. And, you know, the first time he breaks is when he says New Orleans is actually pronounced Nolens or and then New Orleans. Orleans. And then he's talking about Chicago and NYC City, a lot of little funny Mm -hmm. things. I like that he's you know he gets to hang with Lenny Pickett on jazz uh, on the tr- on the, uh, sax and then explains how you're supposed to be quiet so you can hear me talking about it so um, and and I will say uh, in Rich's rule of, of SNL cameos Emma Stone does it exactly right one and done she's there she's quick she's got one joke that we don't see coming I love when she's like how many times have we talked about this and he's like uh, a number of times and she says you didn't save jazz we save jazz not the most brilliant Joke, but a nice capper, a nice way to sort of put a little bow on this beaten to death joke, and then we're out. And so, good energy on that.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to (laughs) you talk a lot about Mad Libs, Rich. This feels like you go back to the Mad Libs page that you already filled out and just read over those same responses again, because this is a literal sequel to the sketch from the last time Ryan Gosling was on. They even Lampshade it by saying you got abducted by aliens again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is, you know, for those who don't remember, the alien abduction sketch started on that December 2015 episode with Ryan Gosling. So we're literally, uh, you know, just going back to going back to this wheel one more time. And again, it's the season premiere. Everyone's a little shaky. Why not go back to something tried and true? You know, and as I often say with sketches like this, for me, it's like it's funny. Yes. As If I had never seen this sketch before, I would be like, oh, my God, that's freaking hilarious but having seen every iteration of it it's always diminishing returns for me and as i as you, you pointed out i always say it sort of feels very mad libby in that there's just certain slots that we're filling in new jokes and if the jokes kill it's great if they don't kill it's not so much i felt like this was a probably not so much um but you know still fine enough to sort of start the season off
1: mad libby is that the name of kate mckinnon's character's name i think we had heard for the first
0: time her name is mrs rafferty i don't know that we ever got a last name from her before if we did i don't remember
1: I um Yeah, I think I think that there while it is Mad Libby, as you say, there are some fun lines in there, even if they're just inserting the same types of things. I mean, I always love that she's, you know, referring to her front and her backside. I'll leave it at that in very different ways between the pink pocket and stink rocket or the taco and Chaco. Uh, I was but it's sort of like Debbie Downer in that. You know, Gosling was known for breaking really hard. He broke a lot of times in his previous uh, instance on the show, but he broke really hard during the sketch last time. So it almost feels like Debbie Downer to me when they kept doing Debbie Downer and they're like, oh, what is everybody going to laugh? Which, you know, it can go one or two directions, either the Debbie Downer direction or the Stefan direction, which I felt never had diminishing returns. Uh, But we didn't get it until Kate decided to... Fully show off what the aliens did to her behind on uh, the trucker hat toting Ryan Gosling himself. And he was jostling with uh, laughter the entire time that she was in there.
0: Yeah, you could pretty much tell that almost certainly she had underplayed this in all of the rehearsals so that she could just go to town on his booty on live television and just really sort of get him. There were a couple of uh, you could tell sort of ad lib punches that really, really threw him. And I thought that was great fun.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, let's get let's get to our first commercial of the season, shall we?
0: Yeah, there uh, Levi Wokes. This was written by Mikey Day and Streeter Seidel, directed by Oz Rodriguez. Um, so, you know, th- taking this idea of political correctness to the extreme, these Levi Wokes, they fit anybody because they don't fit nobody. I thought this was uh, really fun.
1: Yeah, I was nervous at first just because. I do feel like comedy institutions like to sometimes sort of go after my generation, to be quite honest, of like, you're triggered by everything. You can't, you're offended by everything. You shouldn't be, Uh, which I feel like is a very blanketed statement so i was nervous at first when they introduced this but the sillier they got with things the more i got on board with it when they talk about uh you know the color is greb it's brown and it's not brown pockets sold separately the idea of the unifly which goes 180 Mm -hmm. degrees in order to accommodate all genders i think they were able to pull it off
0: yeah i think that both that they continued to heighten and to build with this and also the pacing was really good it didn't go on too long uh you know when leslie jones like what's my size why don't you ask me about my accomplishments like i thought there was a great perspective to this that was just so ridiculous so yeah i thought this was i don't know that this is something that at the end of the year we're going to look back and say oh my god that was such a great sketch but really good uh pre-tape uh you know one of our for our our first commercial parody of the year i thought it was really really fun
1: a nice final joke about how uh, these jeans you know they're not by made by indonesian children they're made in the usa by white children a lot yeah. a lot of like really fun punctuation marks i know that we say one of the hardest things to do in sketch especially riding on a week-to-week basis is finishing the hat in a way yep. but i feel like a lot of these sketches had like very interesting endings
0: Yes, I would agree. I also give a little shout out to the editor on this because I felt like not only was the pacing really good, there was nice little graphic touches that you feel like you would see in a Gap commercial or a Mm -hmm. Levi's commercial that uh, that gave it sort of that authenticity and yet was completely silly and irrelevant at the same time. So I like that a lot. So we come back uh, for a little HGTV parody of The Fliplets. Uh, HGTV by the way, uh, just because in my day job, I we talk about this a lot uh, one of the most watched television channels by Millennials and Gen Z which is amazing. Uh, so I think it was very appropriate that we do a take on Property Brothers, a show that I've never seen. Um, and for me, this was, you know, was fine. Um, I was probably more uh, I, I get it and then watching them execute the i get it uh, although i thought they had a very nice ending to this did anything for you in this
1: i liked how they, it was very quick it was probably one of the quickest sketches of the night and considering compared to you know the very lengthy monologue i was a bit surprised by this but we got out and in very quickly which you usually don't see in a sketch you know in the first half of the show i like the concept of it it was essentially you know these are three property brothers the fliplets one's the real estate uh, One's the the carpenter, and then you have one who's just a little out there. Uh, I liked, you know, I think Ryan Gosling, again, committed really well to this character. This is one of the only sketches where he did not break, surprisingly, but I actually like the build of the Tristan character uh, when he's saying, you know, we don't talk about, you know, our family falling apart. They go city to city trying to build the home they never had. And then him to just go on this lengthy diatribe about watching a man get hit by a bus (laughs) as sort of a symbol about how god has you know given him this gift in front of him for him to embrace his true darkness and become the lizard person he was meant to be it was a perfect escalation of that character and again it was short and sweet so i enjoyed it yeah
0: especially because you're right from once we sort of see he we're playing odd man out here i was like okay i get it cute little jokes but nothing that's memorable but you're right the fact that this is the one time in the in the almost the entire show he does not break and he delivers this long monologue about yeah seeing a car you know seeing a you know someone die and then you know he talked about this was you know most people think this is when the lightness dimmed i i i think it was the moment that the darkness began to shine he built and built and built and that's this is what I love when SNL does it's like just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and you know Alex and and Mikey do a nice job of sort of playing in the character of oh we can't believe this uh, but not pull too much focus from it and the sort of really to a nice build uh, and then my favorite tag I think of the night is uh, in the voiceover at the end of the commercial uh, the the announcer just says this was the usable footage so I just thought that was a great little tag to a you know probably a a, a a, a B minus sketch, but uh, but I think kind of an A ending.
1: And I think it's it's a little meta too, in that I, from what I can remember, in Gosling's first time, and usually with a lot of first time hosts on SNL, you find them in the crazy man straight man relationship, playing a straight man a lot of the time. I think the notable exception was the Santa Baby pre tape with the uh, mm-hmm. the the late great Vanessa Bear She's not dead; she's just off the show. uh Where you know they were, it was actually very similar to the aforementioned Terrazano sketch, where they were taking things way too seriously when nobody else. was and i'm happy that here they were able to he was able to portray more crazy characters i think that shows more of a confidence on the show's part and more of a confidence in gosling that he's able to actually do this without somewhat laughing
0: yeah, exactly. Is the one of the few times he doesn't laugh, which is which is good. So uh, then we get to our musical guest, the first musical guest of season 43. Not pulling any punches. We've got Jay-Z um, performing Bam uh, on the stage. I, I think it was very good. I don't think that anyone who's tuning in is excited to hear my opinion of Jay-Z. So I will not embarrass myself or insult Mr. Z other than to say I thought it was really good. Uh, obviously, there was a little bit of a buzz that he was wearing a uh, Colin Cow. Haberneck jersey. Um, I will leave the politics aside; uh, it doesn't really matter. And uh, so, but yeah, I I thought it was really good. I don't know if you have anything more to say. Uh, that you know, I, good stuff.
1: The set was a little crazy. I mean, it looks like he literally just took camouflage wallpaper and put it up all around uh, that soundstage for the first act. And we should also mention: uh, Damian Marley came in to do his first sound, uh, first song. The second song was 4:44, literally stripped down. In fact, you saw, you know ladders and everything in the set behind him it was just a microphone I mean he's one of the best rappers in the business for a reason uh, I am not one that follows it completely either but I agree I enjoyed it and I think it was a, a good person to bring in for this season opener as well I heard, also heard by the way very good ratings for the season opener I think uh, they're riding season 42's high in terms of viewership
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, and it's interesting with the set in general. I will say we saw this uh, a little bit more. uh, I think at the, I guess most of last year, where some of the um, performers are now just literally bringing in sets. I mean, that is something that you never saw on this show. Of just, you know, it was always you had your set. It was, I think, uh, uh, not Penn Station, but Grand Central Station of, and and sort of what they would do with that. And I feel like, you know, we're seeing that we're, we're seeing that a little different now with people just bringing in sets uh, and I also liked for the second song and I, I was the second song I apologize I, I don't want to pretend that I know my J 444
1: four was the name of it
0: oh okay um but I thought uh, I, I thought there was a really nice use I mean you know and in the theatrics of literally it's just a blank stage uh, with a with an empty microphone while we hear the track and then he just walks on starts singing and then walks off in the darkness so it was, it was very well executed so, Absolutely. So now to something that I think I feel more of an authority to talk about weekend (laughs) updates. So weekend update, not as long a break uh, as the rest Mm. of the show, because we had a couple of weekend updates over the summer.
1: So we talked about this a little bit at the end of our last podcast, Rich. Before we jump into weekend update proper, did you have any thoughts? I mean, again, this happened, you know, last month. I'm not even sure if our listeners remember it too, too much. But do you have any opinions that stick out in your head about the three weekend update summer editions that aired in August?
0: I think it's always a a challenge for a weekend update, uh, you know, to be in the half-hour format. I think that uh, there were times when we had, you know, I think the the celebrity cameos, I think, hurt it. Uh, I think when we just have some of the people on to do bits, so they can sometimes be very funny. Um, I think the highlight for me, even though I think there was a, you know, it was great to have uh, Tina Fey. uh, I actually thought that, um, um, uh, oh my God, why am I suddenly blanking on? uh, A Bill Hader doing the mooch in the first one I think was probably the most fun for me um I thought it was fine I think it's it is it is hard to carry that kind of a that kind of a load uh maybe you felt differently though
1: yeah I'll admit that I think you watched these live I think I maybe watched the first one live and then sort of caught up I mean what I will say is I think at the end of the last podcast we had said why do we feel like this is necessary they usually do these in election years Uh, They might have benefited from the fact that there was some very newsworthy topics, and I think they were able to uh, speak upon them in a manner that they may not have been able to speak upon them now. It would have felt a little too dated. Yeah, they did lean heavily on the alumni. You mentioned the Tina Fey uh, cameo, but there was a Tina Fey cameo in the same episode that Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers appeared in as well. We only barely got appearances from the main cast. So, I mean, it's fine. It's a different edition. I do agree that it's weird to see it in a half-hour format. All three of these episodes so really flew by for me. I thought Chos- J- Joseph and Che were OK. You know, they were on par with some of the other late night political stuff that was going on. So, yeah, I, I think it worked. Uh, I guess they were worked out in that they were able to report on some very pertinent news items. So I guess it worked out in that regard. But it also, I guess, made them pretty Well rehearsed to uh, come in here as well, because, you know, at least from their perspective, when sometimes they tend to flub things up, no major flubs in this weekend update
0: yeah no it was a pretty solid and i'm seeing it uh live the you know the exciting part for me is we get to see it at uh you know live on the west coast all season long so nothing had to be fixed they were pretty strong i feel like this was a, a fairly strong weekend update I, you know i not a lot of jokes that i would sort of try to uh try to uh, recap but i thought Shay had a nice run talking about black people and the american flag i thought that was really good and so a couple of really funny jokes so i thought that you know not everything was was hit out of the ballpark from you know but a lot of cutting stuff to you know i like you know the the joke about uh, Hugh Hefner that you know he'll be buried in a folder marked work stuff I thought that was just straight up just silly and fun so I I thought this was a a good return to form and maybe better than I I would have liked last year
1: one thing I just remembered about summer edition by the way that I completely forgot about because I only recently watched uh, the last episode in the past week the last episode started with like a cold open sketch Which weirded me out a little bit because it didn't directly feel like Weekend Update Summer Edition. Then it sort of just felt like any SNL. And in a half hour, they decided to do like a a Trump thing in response to his rally, which felt a little strange to me, but. Moving back to this weekend update, uh, they did not start well, I will say. At least, I, I, you know, Jost makes this uh, this joke about the about Donald Trump and his call to Puerto Rico, and the audience just did not take it. And we'll talk about another joke that the audience did not take later on. So I, I hope they didn't uh, bode poorly for them moving on, but it seemed like the audience tended to get – a little warmer uh some other fun jokes i liked you know colin talking about uh the the waste that was uh disposed of in baltimore and it's being turned back <laughs> into the mcrib uh, and i like finishing with a uh, white fudge ding dongs i think that was uh, yes that was that i was think whenever point. they all they're they were they doing a lot of self-effacing jokes a lot of jokes pointing back to themselves so that's another good example of it
0: yeah uh so we had two guests uh, Angela Merkel was first and then the guy who bought a boat uh we'll move quickly through these because I want to get to the second half of the show and, we, and we've Angela seen Merkel- these
1: characters before
0: yeah Angela Merkel you know more of the same we haven't seen her since John Cena uh from December of last year always solid uh you know now you know they we're not writing I, I assume that Chris Kelly and uh and um uh, uh anyway it doesn't matter who wrote uh I think there's new writers to this but I could be wrong uh some funny stuff I mean I thought But the only thing of note here is I thought it was interesting when they tried to sort of capture the meme moment uh, when they're talking about Trump not calling her to congratulate her. And she talks about that feeling when he doesn't text you back, uh, but you see him tweeting. I think they're really hoping that that's an animated gif that goes around the internet this week so we'll see what happens um I, but again i thought this was solid funny an unmemorable uh you know uh, uh outing of angela merkel but certainly fine what did you think
1: yeah here's another one that just really elicits a silence from the audience is when angela says no allies just most mostly Axis these days and i feel like the audience was yes. sort of like stunned to say like sh should, should should we laugh at this but Another fun take on the Angela Merkel character and just how uptight she is. You know, you seem a little stressed out, Chancellor. Oh, thank you. Uh, Talking about how slutty Angela Merkel for Halloween is just her with the hat. It plays, like you said, tried and true to the character. We've seen it a bunch of times. Uh, We have a little more. We I thought we were going in another direction with her Obama infatuation and him, you know, being obsessed with Macron and the uh, the French president. But then she goes back to Obama inevitably. So maybe we can see more of that stuff down the line. But I mean, it's it's a she just won uh, the election again. I think it was a good time to have her on, but seemed like more of the same.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Uh, And then we also see Guy Who Just Bought a Boat, which is his second appearance. We we saw him last, uh, the first and only time before with the Alec Baldwin hosted episode in February, which I was uh, in the full uh, boy mode when we saw him the last time. This time around, maybe because I was a little bit more used to him. Uh, I thought the performance is very good. Uh, And I will say I normally, as people who listen to this podcast know, I am not a big fan of, and hey, here's a relative or friend of the weekend update uh, correspondent uh, who is the guest host to come in and do the same character in a different way. But here I thought this actually worked really well. The guy who just joined Soho House, which being in LA, I love that reference. It was a fantastic reference. Uh, and I thought the two of them were actually a lot better than uh, just Alec Moffat by himself. I thought this was a fun duo. Um, you know, nothing nothing, all that crazy, but, uh, but a, a nice fun piece.
1: Yeah, starting with Moffat I think again much like the monologue it was sort of the same joke over and over again he's subliminally saying that he's clearly overcompensating but I'm always a fan of the abbreviations in particular you can tell that he has a lot of fun with those two but I do think that bringing Gosling in first of all I think this is the type of role that Gosling plays really well to the smug douchebags and so i I think from a performance perspective he did it really well and he just sort of amplified the energy in there and at least you know took the same maybe repetitive joke to a new level and that again helped escalate it through to the end of the update so yeah this is another recurring character but i do agree if we were going to bring on the the host cameo here i think it actually was successful
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it it, it actually helped a lot. So so let's get to the second half of the show. We get to, uh, you know, our first uh, live sketch after weekend update and Henrietta and the Fugitive. And I tell you, this sketch starts and I'm like, I've got the uh in one hand and the boy in the other. I am waiting. It really reminded me uh, there was a sketch they did at the end of the Lin-Manuel Miranda episode uh, called A Degree of Valor, which was another like kind of a clunker. And I was just like, is this sketch? starts and i was just like oh boy this is gonna be rough and i gotta say made me laugh the whole way through I, it was a long sketch yeah it was a crazy premise but i just thought he was good but ad Bryant was spectacular in this i i really liked it a lot
1: and nary talk about a butt plug uh yeah this was mm. su- a super silly sketch but This is kind of why I watch SNL personally are for these like, ridiculously stupid ideas but people commit to them with a straight face and again you know Gosling does break in this sketch but for the most part he brings a lot of sincerity into this like James Dean fugitive who's fallen in love with an anthropomorphic chicken and AD Bryant plays a very sincere as well also should mention here when I saw Beck Bennett walk in as the cop I realized oh yeah Beck's in this show I believe this is his first appearance uh, on the show and we're going to get to Kyle Mooney's cameo next time but these guys were I don't Know what was going on? Maybe they maybe we were still uh, talking about Brigsby Bear from over the summer doing some press tours about that. But uh, they were the good neighbor guys were rarely seen this episode, Not to but
0: be seen that much at all. Yeah,
1: but I thought everyone committed really well to their roles in terms of this typical 40s film. It was a little weird that we did almost like a Wizard of Oz type of thing where it goes to 20 years later and then it colorizes and then it has this you know moment where uh, again, everyone breaks again because she tries to take off her sunglasses and the bandana falls down. but this was really silly. It made me laugh out loud. And I think it just shows while, you know, the, the first half might have been a little bit of what we had seen in season 42. This represents to me what SNL can do, which is just to take ridiculous ideas and build really crazy performances out of them
0: absolutely and, and i'll say last about the you know i this absolutely did not need a tag 20 years later but it was so fun to see it in color and i did think to myself you know what if we didn't have this tag they would have had time the writers to have this sketch introduced by reese DeWat. Yes. and i was so happy that we did not have to start this with an annoying reese do what uh you no know, tag at the beginning so uh, all all good yeah, so no, we,
1: we had you keenan know, yeah. we, we come in and he was actually in the- the sketch show he couldn't be reached what he was the farmer who got shot yes. which again was like really chintzy but for some reason whether it was keaton's delivery or the way it was staged just really had me laugh
0: yes very funny very funny so so riding high we come out of this and we come to another sketch that i feel like it starts we're in an italian restaurant and i'm just like oh i feel like i've seen this before i just have a bad feeling that this is just going to be more mad libs uh and again, Very funny. I very much enjoyed my time at Terrazano's.
1: Yeah, so just to set the sketch up, so it's essentially I think they did this maybe for Domino's or maybe for Pizza Hut. I'm not sure, but, you know, they'll have people sit, sit in a restaurant and they'll bring them food and they'll think it's part of a restaurant but then they reveal oh no it's actually you know this chain restaurant how crazy is that and I would almost compare it to that uh, famous Chris Farley sketch when he's uh, trying the coffee crystals and actually uh, ironically enough SNL Connection the person who plays his wife in that sketch was one of my acting professors in college her name is Francie Rissell she's lovely so it's always funny to sort of uh, have her pontificate on that but it was very similar in terms of you know really taking a, a reaction to this review and putting it to an 11. And I, I wasn't on board with the sketch at first either, but it was just the performances of Ryan Gosling and Cecily Strong that kept this moving the entire time. And I also love the slow reveals peppered in. This idea of, no, this isn't a restaurant. This is just a warehouse. And because, you know, Cecily says this is my favorite restaurant. They said, this isn't an actual restaurant. We just made this place up. And Sh- Chef Luigi Marinara, as I mentioned it before, <laughs> the, the two of them were just so so good even though ryan gosling did break again he was
0: like jimmy fallon in this it was just getting to the point of like what are you laughing at and yet at least at least we were laughing with him so that certainly helped exactly
1: I, i just think i think uh this is where gosling's and we'll talk about a an instance actually coming right up where his intensity really lends well to his character i thought it did a really good job here
0: yeah and uh, a friend of show Mark C in NYC was saying uh, before the show we were were talking uh, uh, on instant message about how this actually reminded him of a sketch that you mentioned from the last time the Santa baby pre-tape kind of the the -hmm. broad characters getting weirder and weirder and I think that this is another sketch where I think Mark is right in that what makes the sketch interesting is not oh look how dumb they are that they got fooled by Pizza Hut or what their reaction is but the specificity of the characters and the way they played the characters and as much as I miss Vanessa Bayer a lot. I thought uh, Cecily Strong did a great job, almost reminded me a little bit of the work we've seen her do when she's uh, playing opposite Dwayne Johnson as, you know, uh, yeah, Gemma, Uh, like just playing an interesting character that has all these specific weirdnesses in the writing and the performance that make it really fun. So I bet we will see uh, a carbon copy med libs of this sketch, uh, you know, in in just a few episodes.
1: Yes. Kamel Nanjani will uh, be perfect for this and i also again really great ending on this sketch that it reveals that it was actually a domino's commercial with the slogan we're at least we're not liars that was a nice little (laughs) because you know last year we got the news that there'd be more branded content on snl i think we're still trying to parse out exactly what that meant but i thought this this was going to be you know a big pizza hut commercial but when it turns out it was a domino's one i thought that was a, a nice little twist right at the end
0: I agree. I agree. So now very late in the show, we get our only second pre-tape of the night, which was interesting. And again, this is another one where I go, all right, it's a pre-tape segment. It's about a movie that came out 100,000 years ago. Why would we make fun of avatar and who cares like on paper there's no reason to like the sketch but then they're making fun of a font and if you know me i am a font nerd so this was music to my ears i i was almost standing during this sketch the dumbness of papyrus which is a horrible font <laughs> and wonderfully done we believe that this was probably written by julio torres because uh, as per twitter back in may of last Year he uh, he was uh, complaining about the avatar font, so he is probably at least one of, if not the only writer directed by Dave McCary. Uh, again, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, but it was beautiful. I love this a lot.
1: Yeah, this was my sketch of the night, and I'll, I also have some uh, font nerd connection as well. One of my best friends, even in college, ten years ago, was fuming at the idea of papyrus font. So to see it sort of come full circle in a show that I love about was so much fun. And again it comes back to the verisimilitude of ryan gosling's performance i mean just like santa baby this is really where he's most comfortable in front of the camera really playing this character very seriously and i just love this slow reveal that the thing he's been ruminating on is why they use the the papyrus font for the movie avatar and then just this, this great reveal that it's his voiceover as in kate mckinnon with like a psychiatric session uh yeah. I just I just think that again I'll I'll sort of repeat what I always say about the pre-tapes but they're just so well made. They're yes. shot like they could be an actual movie trailer. Uh I can't say the thing that takes it back from me just a step was Kyle Mooney's character. I didn't like the fact that he actually was evil as weird as that is to say like I kind of like the fact if Ryan Gosling is the only crazy person here and he's just a normal guy I think that's funnier than having him also be evil but that's a very minor quibble in what I thought was a fantastic sketch overall
0: Yes, I was I love that they refer to uh, hookah bars, Shakira Merch and off brand tees. Uh, I thought it was really fun. I was I was waiting. I I was waiting for what I felt like was going to be the takeaway of uh, um, that really Papyrus is is this generation's Comic Sans MS. So and uh, I I love the
1: fact that, again, another great ironic thing at the final title. I don't know if you noticed that it just said Papyrus on it, but it was not in Papyrus font. I think it was in Comic Sans. Oh, I didn't notice
0: that. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Oh, I love, I love it. Those nerdy comedy details just make me so happy. That's so great. Um, and so we get to our last sketch of the night. Um, uh, uh, this was, uh, uh, this was at Mickey's end zone. Kenan Thompson is in a trio and, uh, they're playing a song called, uh, boy, uh, You know, I I feel like, you know, by the way, congratulations, the beginning of this show makes Keenan Thompson. He's now broken Daryl Hammond's record. Uh, they last year had tied for both being on the show 14 seasons. This is the beginning of Keenan's 15th. I think maybe this was in his rider and in his contract negotiation that he just gets to do one sketch like this every cycle. Um there's nothing wrong with the sketch. I don't know that there's anything right with it, but there is nothing <laughs> wrong with it. It was just this really freewheeling, makes no sense, insane, uh, sort of going down all these different roads and and only circling back at the end. Um, but you know what? 12.55, I'll take
1: it. Yeah, I mean, I guess is this, uh, if Keenan can't do what up with that, with uh, Bill Hader and Jason Sudeikis gone? I guess this is his uh, very lame substitute. Yeah. I would much rather watch the, the muted sports commentary going on on that very small TV in the background than watching <laughs> this. I believe this shares DNA with from the Donald Trump episode, the uh, Gene the Laser Harp guy. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, because I remember when I heard twiddly-tum, twiddly I'm like, that stupid thing sounds so familiar. So I think, I didn't look it up, but that might be uh, the connection. Gosling breaking a lot this sketch. Yes. First when his yeah. flute doesn't sync up. Uh, then with just Kyle Mooney's character who was just saying come on trees uh just made gosling break for for no reason also something i noticed here surprisingly little leslie jones the emmy nominated leslie jones in this episode except for the woke jeans commercial and this when she fails to uh to rip a pair of jeans in half so again maybe just an off week for the good neighbor boys and leslie i'm hoping next week with gal gadot that we get to see more of them
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, as I always, you know, the one thing with SNL is this is a sketch If this was a show that was pre-taped and, uh, you know, and had been recorded uh, a week before a sketch like this would have been a complete snooze. But I think the fact that it's live, that it's going all over the place, that the pants can't quite rip, at least gives us good energy going into the good nights.
1: And speaking of the good nights, anything of note here, Rich, the first good nights of the season?
0: Yeah, you know what? Uh, really fun. Obviously, he was in great form, uh, said goodbye. The one thing you may not have seen if they cut off early in your market is that um, um, Cecily Strong and Kate McKinnon are running uh, to grab a, a featured player, uh, uh, Luke, um, I can't even say remember his name, which is really Null. sad, Let Luke Null, uh, to bring him over with Heidi Gardner and Chris Red, so that most of the cast could sort of point over their heads, point at them in a in a nice show of support so the so uh Heidi Luke and Chris got a nice little front and center little uh little uh nod which I thought was really cute and really sweet it's a you can tell it's a very supportive staff
1: and I and I also I also noticed that uh Alec Baldwin stayed through uh which he did not do a few times last season granted he looked like he literally rolled out of bed to wake up and do the good nights but he stayed through which uh, I know Rich that's that's a, a pet peeve of yours
0: Yes. And a pet peeve when a cameo does not show up. And I understand it's late for Mr. Baldwin. But as as true to my theory, Alex stays when other big time celebrity cameo people also stay. So in form, we saw Emma Stone stay and Alec Baldwin stayed when the big guest doesn't stay. He doesn't stay either. So uh, what's going on there? I don't know, but at least is true to form. So very fun.
1: All right. That is the premiere episode of SNL. I guess we should take the time now to say that this season, uh, you know, during the back half, we were trying to go with sort of these monthly formats, these all in one. Rich and I are going to try our best to do a podcast after every show. So we'll be back as soon as next week talking about Gal Gadot and Sam Smith on SNL.
0: Yes, we're going to keep it tight and, and current and relative. So we'll see how it goes. But we love your feedback. If you have any thoughts, please share it with us in the comments or Twitter or Facebook. We love to hear what you think. We're always trying to figure out new ways to do it. Um, Mike, what else are you working on? What else uh, should people know about in your world?
1: So you can find me on Twitter at a Mike Bloom type in terms of scripted content. Uh, I'm doing stuff on the Jay and Jack network, uh, specifically covering stranger things with them in anticipation of the second season they are doing their rewatch I'm doing my first watch because the series scared me away in the first 10 minutes I have now watched past those first 10 minutes and I've been enjoying it so far so I'm getting together to do that I'm doing a weekly Survivor podcast as well doing a lot of silly stuff with Liana Boris over on the main feed um, you can follow Rich at Rich Tack on Twitter as well make sure you're also subscribed now that the season's back in order subscribe to our SNL feed go to postshowrecaps.com SNL iTunes while you're there if you wanna uh, fill out a ratings or a review of course we'd greatly appreciate it and we'll be back next week for gal gadot and sam smith the week after for kamil nanjani and then from then on after rich do you have any uh expectations about gal gadot going into this
0: always hard first time not someone who has a lot of experience with live tv but you know i think she was in the israeli military i think she can handle studio 8h so (laughs) it'll be an interesting one uh i would say fingers are crossed i'm not i'm not excited but i'm not not excited but let's see what she does
1: yeah and do you think we're expecting any sort of are we expecting a ben affleck cameo or a henry cavill cameo
0: I feel like that she'll want to bring someone in, but I don't know. I, I could see Chris Pine showing up mm-hmm. as a uh, sort of a payoff from when he hosted. And because he's, I think, probably more a fan of the show. So uh, that would be my guess. I probably couldn't tell you who else.
1: I'm going I'm to put my money on Ben Affleck, member of the five timers club. I think, you know, he's got a good rapport with SNL. I could see even though he wasn't in uh he wasn't in her movie he's gonna be in the upcoming justice league film so i could absolutely see him make a cameo so we shall see which one of us is right if either one of us are
0: perfect well we'll be here talking about it so come back again and uh look forward to seeing what you guys think thanks so much for sticking with us